Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I have an absolute treat. I got to speak to author and Dr. Rajani LaRocca, specifically about her books, Red, White, and Whole, and Much Ado About Baseball. But we get into a conversation about her growing up in America, her experience living in America, and having Indian heritage, and what that looked like for her growing up, as well as how it's been written about in her books. It's a fantastic conversation. I know you're going to love it. She was absolutely a delight. And um, you need to go pick up her books right now. Uh, don't waste a minute. I Just trust me on this one. You're going to want to get it. Go to rajanilaraka.com. That is R-A-J-A-N-I-L-A-R-O-C-C-A.com to pick up her books. And you will not regret it. I do want to let you know that today's sponsor of the podcast is Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. If this is your first time coming to the Detox Podcast, welcome. If you have listened to us before, welcome back. We hope that the next 45, 50, 60 minutes is an opportunity for you to really just check out of what's going on around you and listen in on a fascinating and fun conversation. And if you like what you hear, feel free to share the episode, share the podcast with a friend, subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever you like. It really helps us out. So my conversation with Rajni will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm super, super excited to talk to her. She is a brilliant author. She's a fantastic doctor. Well, I can't personally speak for the doctor, but I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's brilliant, but I know for a fact you're a fantastic author. Rajani LaRocca, how are you doing today? Dr. Rajani LaRocca. 
Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I There's so many different ways in which I want to take this conversation. I'm very excited, um, but I do want to start. What I like to do with the podcast is level set with uh, a question. So here at the Detox Podcast, we consider this an opportunity for folks to detox from their life, even just for 45, 50 minutes, an hour, and get a perspective into how other people live their lives. So what I want to ask you, Rajani, is what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So I feel like a senior in high school with senioritis, like that spring <laughs> fever. Yeah, yep, yep. I, I feel like we're like turning the corner on this pandemic. Yes. And I can't wait to see people in person. Yes. Like as much as it's been great, like connecting with people uh, via a screen, you know, obviously via Zoom. Um, I'm just, I'm itching to see people in person. Yes. And um, one of my really good friends has a birthday tomorrow and I'm hoping that we can like, hopefully the rain will hold off and we can go take a walk outside yes. and I can like wave at her from six yes. feet away. But yes. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I I had some friends, I, I completely understand that sentiment. And down here in Texas, they just had an announcement that next week, uh, uh, well, if you're listening to this on Monday, March 29th, it is today that they've opened the vaccination list for all who are on the list who want to be vaccinated. So it's, you know, we've done the the high priority folks and we're getting low and now they're opening up to everyone. So I'm very, very thrilled that hopefully I should be getting my call very soon. But I, you know, I, I'm just waiting. And I saw a, folk, uh, a picture of a few friends of mine who got their vaccine and they just were gathered. Everybody's fully vaccinated. There's nobody in the group that's not fully vaccinated. And I was like, you're an oasis in the desert. I just, I see, I see it. It's there. The lights in the distance were almost there. Oh, but I can't, but got to continue to be safe. But it's, yeah, I, I, I totally feel what you're feeling right now, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and spring has come a little early. I'm in the Boston area. Yes. And, you know, it was like 70 degrees today. And I was like, oh, like, it's, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> the sunlight is here. You know, the warm weather is coming. Right. Like, it's, it's coming. It, right. it has to. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, well, I'm super excited uh, about this. And I want to let people know that today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Snuffy. Snuffy's a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. Owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri, who designed the podcast logos and was actually a guest on the last episode. We talked about Snuffy. So if you're interested in that, you want to go support him, go check it out, snuffy.co. Um, I'm not sure where to start. Uh, I want to talk about Red, White, and Hold, and I also want to talk about Much Do About Baseball because they're both brilliant books in very different ways. Um, I, I think let's start. Actually, let's start with a little bit of background. Let's 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 go ahead and ground the conversation with a little bit of background about you. So, if you could walk us through, and I think this ties into Red, White, and Hole as well. But talk us through how you are. You are a, a first generation American. Is that correct? Or mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So first, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm technically an immigrant. I came to the U.S. as a baby. That's right. Um, yeah. Thank you for the clarification. I, but I grew up here. Right. So, um, yeah, so I feel very first generation. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah. from that perspective, 
coming to and growing up in America, um, what was your perspective growing up that informed the book Red, White, and Whole, which is an absolutely brilliant book and is so fantastic. And we're going to have all these links in the description as well. So you go check it out. But, but just walk us through what some of your background was. Yeah. So um, I uh, came to the U.S. as a baby. Um, my dad actually uh, had to leave the month before I was born, had to leave India the month before I was born because his visa was going to expire. Wow. So he came to the U.S. and you know, like a lot of immigrants started in New York City and wanted to make sure that he had a job at a place, place to stay for me and my mom before we showed up. So I didn't meet him until I was a year old. Wow. Yeah. So that was pretty wild. Um, but. Uh, then we moved around a bit and then we ended up in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I grew up. And uh, so I, we lived there from when I was seven through the end of high school. And um, I mean, I loved it there. It was a great place to grow up. It's a really nice city. Um, it has a lot of cultural aspects to it. It has like a ballet and an opera and like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, um, and there was like a small but significant Indian community there. So we kind of grew up um, with people like us. But um, it was a small enough community that we kind of like hung out with everybody because a lot of times with um, Indian communities, you people tend to kind of congregate with people who speak their own language mm. or are of their particular religion, which is understandable. Sure. India is a very big and diverse place in and of itself. Right. But our community was small enough that we hung out with everybody, which was really kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I grew up. Like, here's the thing. I grew up as a normal American kid um, until, like, I kind of realized that I wasn't exactly a normal American kid. Yeah. So during the week, I would be at school with my friends and kind of, like, be listening to 80s music and, um, you know, doing schoolwork and just kind of hanging out. And then um, on the weekends, I would spend them almost all with, you know, with my parents and with our Indian friends. And so... Growing up, I kind of had this kind of, and I, you know, and I love being in both settings, yeah. but I had this kind of funny, you know, question in my mind, like, well, which one is the real me? Is it like weekday me or is it weekend me? Sure. And, and, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. And Louisville had these things called um, heritage weekends uh, in the summer. So every summer weekend, there would be like one or two different ethnic groups and they would like put on, you know, dance acts or singing acts and like they would make all this food and sell it. And it was like a, just like a big fair and it was really incredible. So like we would, um, you know, every year we would kind of plan for that weekend and like the whole community would like make amazing food and like put on performances. And that was really cool. That was celebrated. Um, but um, it was just, it, it was just like even more like, well, which one is the real me? Is it like sure. the one that like gets dressed up and like does these dance acts or like, or is it just the one that is like walking around, you know, eating other people's food? It was just right. really interesting. And I will say that from the beginning of my life, I always loved books, like always, always, always. And I read everything. Like I read fiction and I read nonfiction. So I'm holding up this book called Ouch, which yes. is like from 1977 and it's out of print. But this is the book that got me interested in medicine. And I was like, oh, all this stuff happens like when you get a cut and you don't have to think about it and it just yeah. happens and you heal. Isn't that cool? Anyway, I... um. I was, I loved all kinds of books. I empathized with all kinds of characters, but I never really saw myself and my experience mm. re reflected in a book until I was an adult. So I would read books in the U S about America 
African kids. And then when I went to India to visit relatives, I would read books about, you know, Indian characters who also weren't me. So, uh, and I don't think that I really recognized this until I was an adult and I finally read a book about somebody who went through the kind of immigrant experience that I did. And I was like, oh, so this is what it's like to feel like you see yourself. Yeah. And that was, that was really wild. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so all of those things contributed to my writing Red, White and Whole. Um, and it, it's a book that is written in poetry. So it's written yes. in free verse. And I think in large part, I wrote it in poetry because it came to me, the idea for the book came to me as a metaphor. Mm. And the metaphor is of blood yep. and all, all that it means in terms of, you know, family, heredity, community, uh, and biology. Yep. So um, I thought of this story of this girl who feels torn between the worlds of her parents and their, their immigrant community and her friends at school and kind of 80s pop culture. And, um, you know, and has a mom who, a mom and dad whom she adores, but who have different ideas of what is appropriate for a kid her age. Right. And, and then um, her mom gets diagnosed with a kind of blood cancer, leukemia, and she feels like everything's turned upside down. And she feels guilty about ever wondering about these worlds that she was worried about. Um, and, you know, feels guilty that she hadn't been paying more attention to her mom. Yeah. And then she thinks that if she could just be the daughter that her parents want her to be, that she can somehow save her mom. And there's some um, Hindu mythology mixed in. Uh, there's a story about uh, Savitri, who is a woman who literally outsmarts the god of death to save her husband. And so Reha, the main character in this story, thinks about that story a lot and is like, well, the way to defeat death is virtue. So if I can be virtuous enough, maybe I can help my mom survive. Right. It's so beautifully written because you have that free-flowing verse and you've got the poetry. And I think, to me, it resonated a little bit more because of the 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 poetry of it. I mean, it was something that it's a brilliant story anyways, but just reading it and absorbing it and also, you know, having kids and, and being a parent and thinking about when I was a kid and, and while the story, you know, I, I didn't have that type of, um, kind of stuck in both worlds feeling growing up. Um, that's the privilege that I had, but it was still something where I can relate in the fact of like, you know, being a kid wanting to, to, to spend more time, with parents feeling a little bit guilty, trying to reclaim some of that time. I mean, all of those uh, topics and themes are relatable. And it, you know, it is, it is an interesting conversation, I think, to have, because especially, I mean, even now, there's a lot of kids in that situation of feeling maybe stuck in, in kind of two worlds, whether they're first generation, second generation American, and having that perspective and and historically not seeing themselves represented in literature like you're talking about and so it's it's so important to have representation to be able to understand to ensure that someone understands your story that you see yourself in these stories so you can feel seen in society I mean I think you know thinking again of growing up all of the books that I read were of you know 
white boys like myself and doing adventurous things and exciting things. And I never thought about that. And then it wasn't until I had a daughter where I started recognizing, wow, there's not a lot of different representations in the books that I've, that I want to show her that I had growing up because that's what I'm familiar with. And so I had to start branching out and like, well, let's make sure like we've got a lot of people represented and there's everybody's the hero and there's all different types of families and people and stories. And, but, but bringing it back around, I think it's brilliant that you've been able to write this story that will resonate with so many people. And, and, you know, I've heard this phrase a lot that folks writing, writing the book that they wish they had growing up, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I appreciate you saying that. I I mean, I think that in many ways, um, adolescence is a time when we all feel like we're stuck in two worlds. Like we, sure. we're not kids, right. but we're certainly not adults. Right. And we kind of want to be like everyone else, but we kind of also want to be unique. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And then, so I think that adding, you know, the kind of the immigrant experience layer on top of that just heightens everything, right? Because right. it's literally like your parents, like your parents love you, but they can't understand you. At least you don't believe they can understand what you're going through because they literally didn't go through it. They were right. in a place where everyone looked like them and, you know, everyone had kind of the same kind of outlook on life. And uh, yeah, so it's, I, I think that, uh I mean, I hope that uh, all kinds of people can relate to this story. And um, and I I love that it's in verse two because there's some, you know, there's some heavy emotional topics that are covered in this book. Yeah. And I feel like with poetry, you have enough space on the page and enough space in your mind to kind of process things. Yes, yes. And, and because there are not that many words, you things that could be potentially be really um, heavy become lighter because yeah. you don't spend that much time in that space. Right. It, it also, I felt a few times when I was reading it that I had, as I'm looking, as I'm looking at it, right. I physically have space to breathe and to think and to process. And I don't feel like there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot of words on here. I got to get through them all and then got to get to the next chapter, and the next chapter. I really felt like I could read it, maybe read it again maybe move on or, or sit with it. And I felt like I was, I, I don't quite know how to put this into words, but I felt like the book was, was inviting me to have the space to process what I was feeling while I was feeling it. So I could really sit with that and allow it to sink in and then move forward and go on to the, the next, the next parts of the book. And I, I don't often feel like I am given that, almost like non-verbal permission, right? Well, like non-written permission in the books that I'm reading. And and it was very refreshing. And I think very, uh, it was powerful for sure. I loved it. So, oh, thank you. Thank course. you. Is there, because I want to make sure we've got time for much to do about baseball. Is there one last thing for this specific book that we've not talked about that you want folks to know when they're going into reading it for the first time? Wow. Um, you know, what I would say is that, um, so first of all, 13 year old me would be completely mortified. 
<laughs> that I wrote a book about this part of my life, right? But I guess you get to be a certain age in your life. Sure, why not? This is not autobiographical, but I will say that so many of the emotions that Reha feels in this story come like right from my own experience. Like so, like there, there are several scenes where it's like, yep, that is exactly how I felt. And so even though this is a work of fiction, there, um, it comes from a place of emotional honesty. And um, I hope that uh, people can see that. And the other thing I will say is that like this feeling of being in two worlds, it never really goes away, uh, even as a grown up. And I'm not talking about like my ethnicity. I'm talking about like, every, I'm just a, kind of a weird person. Like I'm, I'm a person who likes science and a person who likes writing. Right. I'm like, well, what am I doing? Am I a doctor? Am I a writer? Apparently I'm both. Right. Um, but but <laughs> ultimately, um, one of the things that I hope that readers get from this is that we choose where we belong and that we end up finding the people who are going to support us and appreciate us for who we are. So I hope that that is some of what people get from reading this book. Oh, I love that. We choose where we belong. That's so powerful and so true. And, you know, speaking of, you know, having all these different interests and not really sure where to fit in, that's a perfect segue into much, much ado about baseball, because I feel like the characters, Trish and Ben, are often also not sure, well, do I like math or do I like baseball or do like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? It is... I. I I could not put it down. I read it. I, I, I mean, truthfully. So this is. I, I mean, I've got it like right here. It's it's fantastic. I'm holding it up. I know you can't see it if you're listening, but it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. It reminded me. So when I was growing up, I. Uh, so I was also, I did theater and I did sports because I liked them both and I was unsure of which to do. Well, I ended up getting my undergrad in theater and, you know, I work not in theater right now, but, um, you know, so it, it all, but I love sports and so it, it all comes full circle. Say all that to say, when I was growing up, I was drawn to sports books like Much Ado About Baseball mm -hmm. and Matt Christopher was a very popular uh, child. Oh, yeah, yes. You, yes. So it made me. I have a it, son who loved oh, Matt Christopher. Yes, yes, yes. It made. I cracked open the book, and the first chapter, I was hooked, and I felt like I was in a Matt Christopher book, but like uh, uh, the next iteration. Like truthfully, that is the immediate reaction I had. Uh, my wife did not read Matt Christopher books, so she didn't understand and relate. And I was like, "This is just like a Matt Christopher book." And she's like, "I don't. What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Never mind. She's not going to understand that. I'm hoping Rajini will, so I'll bring it up then." But it it that's what it reminded me of. Just the stories of like, all right, you got lots of chunks about the sport, but then there's so much else going on with the kids' lives. We got to dig into that, dig into their personality, dig into what drives them, what motivates them. And what's so there's, there's a cool, like fun, fun stuff in here. Not no spoilers, but it's something you're definitely gonna have to check out when it gets released because it is definitely a delight. And I loved the 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 uh, insertion of of Shakespeare with their their friend quoting Shakespeare and the sister performing Shakespeare and so for me as a kid who did theater and sports I was doubly hooked and so it just like it brought in so so I want to get into some specifics but I do I do want to say like what was the crux because this is not the first book you've written like this so what mm -hmm. was the the crux for you to write. Um, 
much ado about baseball and then just to have this idea of of sports and and Shakespeare Midsummer Mayhem you had written previously as far as like mm-hmm. the Shakespeare references and stuff but what was right. the 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 thought process behind behind Mids- uh, much ado about baseball so I will just say that Midsummer's Mayhem, which came out in 2019, is basically a Midsummer Night's Dream meets Cupcake Wars about a girl who loves to bake and weird magical things happen and she's <laughs> got to figure out what in the world is happening. Um, so we, we meet some of the magical people from A Midsummer Night's Dream. They show up in that in that story. And Much Ado About Baseball, so it came from, the original idea came from this writing prompt Um uh, that I was at a conference and somebody just kind of like we picked things out of a hat. Sure. And I I got something about like a superpower, like what kind of superpower does your character have? And I got this idea of like kids that if they ate these special potato chips, they were really good at baseball. And I was like, that is the strangest thing I've ever heard. I was like, what does that even mean? And um. But then like, then, you know, but then it becomes a problem because if like you don't eat the potato chips, then you're not good at baseball. And then right. how do you, like, then you can't keep going. So <laughs> but when I finished Midsummer's Mayhem, the, the, I will not give up too much away, but there's like a, the magical people in that book like sweet things. And they like, they also are like, have an affinity for like cooking and literature and music. And then there's there's another type of magical person. This is the world that I set up in this kind of uh, in this imaginary place that they like salty things and they're all interested in like math and sports and science. And so I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to write a companion novel. I want to write a book that is set in the same world during the same summer, but with different characters. And I was like, Okay, so I have, you know, I my daughter uh, like loves reading books and loves to bake. And so now, and I also have a son and I was like, oh, well, you know, he's really into math and baseball. <laughs> he was a really, I mean, he's a brilliant math person. Yeah. And he also loved baseball, like not just watching it, but also played it all the way through high school. So I was like, yeah, I like, I should just go for it. And then I was like, I'm so terrified. What in the, cause the math stuff I could deal with, but I was like, I got to get this baseball stuff, right? Yeah. I never played baseball, but my, um, but I, boy, did I attend enough games? Like I attended <laughs> yep. so many little league games that I was like, I think. And, um, and there is a connection of course, between math and baseball that yes. I loved. Yes. I loved the idea that all these like statistics and all these other things that people love about baseball could also, you know, like tie in with their love of math. And so, yeah. And then I had to make it dual point of view because I was like, wouldn't it be more fun if there was a girl and a boy? Yes. And if they really, really, really. So, the, you know, the much ado about nothing kind of um, inspiration is I loved the idea of people who really had so much in common who couldn't stand each other. Yeah. <laughs> And then who had to find like who had to find their way to becoming friends with each other. Right. And uh, and that they needed a little bit of help <laughs> from some meddling friends of theirs to right. like, poke them right. and make them become friendly. So, yeah. So that was like what I that was the inspiration I took from Much Ado About Nothing. And then I also took the magical world that I had cre- created from A Midsummer Night's Dream and mashed them all together. And I was like, 
I'm so glad that you liked it. And I'm so glad that you, I mean, Matt Christopher, yeah. that is like quite the compliment. Oh, I have to say, I have to oh. say. Uh, wow. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, like it felt like, I mean, not like no, no BS here. I picked it up and immediately just felt like I was in a new Matt Christopher novel, like the next, the next version of it. And I, I, I really, I, I checked to be like, all right, is there any connection that you had with Matt Christopher? Like, like, were you inspired by like all this stuff? And I was like, no, it's just, it's just everything kind of aligning to work out. But it, it made me go, all right, I need to read some, some Matt Christopher novels again. And I know I've got some in storage somewhere, so I got to dig them out and, and, and read them. But it, it, it's so, it's so, this is, this is what I love, right? I think as a kid, um, and what I still love as as an adult is the fact that the the idea of these books of kids doing interesting and adventurous and fun things over the span of a summer, right? Like just this magical idea that anything could happen. And, you know, it's a little bit of coming of age. It's a little bit of like wrestling with that adolescence and trying to figure out like, where do, where do I fit in? But still wanting to hold on to the like wonderful magic, magicalness of anything can happen. And, and it's, insanely fascinating to me because I think as a kid we all want like oh well maybe this adventure could happen to me and maybe this kind of a thing could happen and so we start you know vicariously living through a lot of these characters which is the sign of great great fiction is when we start wanting to live vicariously through these characters and so now as an adult I'm reading these and I'm getting a little nostalgic in that way and then I'm also thinking about like oh what are my kids going to think when they read it are they going to be excited what adventures are they going to go on it's going to be totally different than anything I wanted to go on and I just I love it what did um so has I guess I should say have your kids read Much Do About Baseball and Midsummer Mayhem and what were their thoughts if they did okay so they both read Midsummer's Mayhem they have not yet read Much Do About Baseball mainly because um, they're both in college and okay. they don't have time, sure. <laughs> but, but they're going to read it. Sure. And my son was special consultant for baseball Oh, good. because I was like, I was like, listen, you got it. Like he, he read like an earlier draft where I was like, you just need to like, and, and my husband did too. I was like, you need to make sure that I'm not going to embarrass myself with people like who actually references. play baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. And they were, and they were really good. They re were really helpful. They helped with like a plotting like, what would the score be if this many, like, if you're at this inning and you want to get to this part of your lineup? And I was like, oh, my goodness. It was it was so helpful. They, yeah, there was like a really weird plotting problem where I was like, oh, no, I need him to be up. And I need that, you know, there to yeah. be like two outs and I need that. And they were like, oh, yeah, if the score is this, that will work out. And I was like, OK, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> I just assume, I mean, truthfully, I just assumed you were that much of a baseball like fan that you just knew it because everything I was like, oh, this is lining up. This is matching. This is this is accurate. Right. And so well, I am I, I am it. a baseball fan and I do enjoy watching it. But I have to say that there there are like, you know, there are definitely details that I was like, <laughs> you know, I also I was like, I don't. Like that was the thing is that as a writer, I was like, I knew it had to be this situation that they sure. end up in. And I was like, and some that can't change. So like we need to change something else to make sure that that happens and it's plausible and like mathematically possible. Right. And they were so helpful with that because they're math guys who love baseball. So I was like, that's it. That's that's what I needed. And the, but the um, math puzzles in this book that the, the kids find magical math books yep. that 
also seem to be tied to their baseball success. So basically, like the entire team is like, we need to eat these chips and we keep winning. And they're like, one of them is like, no, we need to keep solving. Like, I need to keep solving these math puzzles yes. because as soon as I stop solving the math puzzles, then we're going to we're going to lose again. Right. And and, you know, the other one is more of a skeptic. And she's like, I'm not sure it has to do with any of these things. But like, <laughs> whatever, that's fine. I think we're just practicing and we're getting you know, we're a better team. Right. But the math puzzles were so much fun because those are the kinds of things that I loved to solve. I was going to ask about that. I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And I, lo- I loved I when I was a kid, I loved books about smart kids solving problems and i was like oh like this is just this is just great i wish somebody had given me a magical math book it right. would have been amazing <laughs> did you were there any were there any puzzles that you didn't get to include in the book some that didn't make the like were left on the cutting room floor so to speak oh you know they're like an infinite number of funky math puzzles but i wanted to make sure that I could explain it easily sure. and in a way that like for this age kid, they could, you know, they could actually comprehend Yeah, because there are plenty of things. Like if you know calculus, you're like, oh yeah, I can do that. But it's like, nobody this it's age gonna, is like, going to know calculus. Yeah. So forget that. But um, in the finished book, there is, uh, there are extra bonus things. So there's oh, a, awesome. there's a recipe for sports. <laughs> for, I was going to say for the sports crisps. Yes. There is, uh, and then there are some, there's some extra math puzzles and um, there's like a, a shortcut guide that a lot of people who do math puzzles kind of like think about, like how to quickly know if something is divisible by any number, uh, that kind of thing. That's awesome. So yeah, just like fun stuff that like people who are on math teams, like they're, they just, they learn these tricks, man. And then you're like, you're all set. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I yeah. love that. It's like a, like uh, I do uh, like I do the New York Times daily mini crossword puzzle, and I nice. I would get it pretty quickly. But I always I've got like a group of two other guys that we always compare notes every day, and I was always getting beat. And then a friend of mine said, "Bro, just like that, bro, you gotta you gotta master the tab key. Just master the tab key." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm over here feeling like a grandpa clicking from one to the other, and and he's just tabbing through it, and we're getting it." So. Here it is. You're getting the tab key in the back of the book. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I think that's the thing is that yep. with lots of lots, lots of these, like my son was actually on um, a math team and it wasn't like a math team that competed with other schools. It was just literally like they practice all these kinds of puzzles. And then there was like a like, like an exam kind of thing, like a contest oh, wow. at the end of the year. And the goal was to just do as well as you possibly could yourself. And like ultimately over, like at some point during the years to get them all right. And, you know, and like, it was such a great experience. And like, like half the battle, because these were all kids who loved math, right? But half the battle was understanding what kind of question it was and Mm. what the, what the shortcut was to figure out like the answer. Like there was always some kind of trick and a lot of it had to do with just being exposed to that kind of puzzle. I like that. So it was it was really fun to watch. So yeah, I took I took my inspiration from some of that. I love that. That's awesome. I love well pre pre COVID, I loved doing escape rooms, and I oh, 
that's that's one of the things I love is because you gotta you gotta figure out what kind of clue is this specific puzzle. Is it you know is it a word puzzle or is it a number puzzle or is it you know uh, something you gotta twist around and turn around or are you trying to get the colors or the the space in between the letters like you know all of the different things right and so. I think that's awesome and brilliant. Well, before we wrap up this part of the show, is there one, just like with Red, White, and Whole, is there one thing that we've not discussed that you want people to have in mind before they pick up Much Do About Baseball, which is available June 15th, so just a few days after my birthday. So perfect timing, I should say. Um, and so definitely feel free to pre-order it, pick it up, absolutely. And if you're listening to this after June 15th, go get it now. Um, but is there one thing that you want people to know that we've not talked about? So uh, the only thing I would add is that um, these two main characters like seem like they should immediately be really good friends and they're not. And I think one of the things I want to explore in this book is how um, assumptions can get in the way mm. of, um, of friendships or just working together well. And that when you go in with assumptions about somebody, um, that everything they do is colored by that assumption. So uh, just, you know, and, and, you know, like this is true for kids and adults, but it isn't until kind of lots of things happen <laughs> for these two kids that they finally realize that all the assumptions they were making about each other were wrong. Thank you to Abhi. And then, uh, you know, because of him. So I love it. Absolutely love it. They wouldn't have been friends. So there we go. That's right. But so, so great. I am super excited. All right. So now we're going to go to the next part of the show, which is things to check out. So it's a segment where I give one recommendation of one thing I'm reading and one thing I'm listening to. And I ask my guests to do the same. So folks have good recommendations as they're exiting the podcast, going back to their normal live. So I will go first. The the what I am my book recommendation, I would say, since we've talked about it quite a bit. Uh were Matt Christopher uh, novels. So if you like sports and uh, you like good sports books and you've already read Much Ado About Baseball and you want more, definitely go check out Matt Christopher. The two recommendations I have, um, his most popular book is uh, Baseball One, The Kid Who Only Hit Homers. Definitely go get that. I think they're developing that into a movie. If I heard correctly, I think it's a, going to be a Disney Plus movie. Don't hold me to that. I saw I did some light Googling, and so that's what I saw, but who knows? Um, and then the one that I read over and over again was The Hockey Machine, because I played hockey. Um, so mm -hmm. I was drawn to some of that. It is a, uh, a book about a kid who is on a travel team and gets um, kidnapped by a, a very wealthy kid and then is asked to join the prep school and play for them. And nobody questions the fact that he's been kidnapped till way too late in the book. I do remember that and going, would this happen to me? And my parents saying, no, 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 no. This is clearly not anything that would really happen. Like, you're fine. Don't worry. And But, but you know, to intrigue you, Go check it out because it's it's got this weird plot mechanism that still fascinates me to this day. And then what I'm listening to a podcast recommendation since we're talking about sports, I highly recommend the podcast American Prodigy Freddie Adu. Um, it he doesn't give Freddie Adu, uh, the former teenage phenom for soccer, signed an MLS contract at age 14, uh, doesn't do interviews at all, and did a career retrospective interview over six or seven parts with Grant Wall from ESPN, I believe. So it's very fascinating. It's really uh, interesting look at how we handle young athletes who are very talented and specifically in in 2004 and how that's changed now in 2021 so definitely go check it out but Rajini, who are you reading and who are you listening to 
Oh, these are such great questions. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you, okay, so first I'm gonna tell you, since you told us about a couple of older books, I'm gonna tell you about my favorite book when I was a kid, which was called The Westing Game, which I think won the Newbery Medal yes. like 1979. Yes, yes, oh, yes. This book is amazing. My children read it and they loved it too. So it's, uh, you know, it's like basically the premise is that there's this uh, millionaire who dies under mysterious circumstances. He, he uh, orders all of his heirs to come together and they find out at the reading of the will that whoever figures out what happened to him gets all his money. So there are all these people, yeah. different people that are paired up and they got to figure out what happened. And my favorite character, there's a kid character, of course, because it's a middle grade novel um, named Turtle Wexler. And she was so spunky and she was so smart. And she was highly, highly motivated. Loved that book. Okay, that's my old recommendation. Um, my new recommendation. So there's a book that just came out um, from Jillian McDunn called These Unlucky Stars. It's set in a small town in North Carolina. Um, and it's about a girl whose mother has left the family and who believes because of what her mother told her that she was born under an unlucky star. So that mm. she's just unlucky. Wow. And she feels like she's unlucky. She doesn't fit into her family. She doesn't really fit in at school. And then she develops, she's a kind of forced to interact with this old lady with this little dog. Um, and they form an unexpected friendship and it kind of changes the way she thinks about herself. Love that book. Wow. And then Speaking of novels in verse involving baseball, there is a book called uh, The Magical Imperfect Ooh. by Chris Barron that is coming out on June 15th as well. It is in verse and it is about two kind of misfit kids who find friendship and it is set in Northern California in 1989 during the World Series. Oh, wow. And if you remember, there was an earthquake. Yes. So it... Yeah, so it is a really beautiful story. Really, That's so it combines awesome. all these things. It combines poetry, it combines baseball, and it's set in 1989. So it's got a, like a retro feel to it too. That's awesome. <laughs> is there any specific yes. podcast or music recommendation that you have that you'd like to share? Yes. Okay. So two things. One. And, okay. I have a Spotify playlist for Red, White, and Hole with <gasps> all this music from 1983 and 1984. Oh, I love so it's that. on my website, and you can click at the bottom. There's a tape. Because there's a mixtape in this book, and you can listen to all the songs that inspired me. I listen to it over and over again. Um, but the other thing I should say is that I uh, run a podcast as well, <gasps> yeah. and I co-host it with a friend of mine, and it's called the STEM Women in Kidlet Podcast. Oh my god! And we that. interview women who were either educated or worked in STEM fields, so science, technology, engineering, mathematics who also write or illustrate books for children. And we had the most fantastic conversations. People, There are so many women in STEM fields who end up writing books for kids. And it's really cool. And then we give STEM book recommendations at the end of every show too. I love that. That's fantastic. I'm going to subscribe right away. And I highly encourage everybody that's listening to you <laughs> as well, because that's fantastic. We need much, much, much more of that. More, please. That's fantastic. I love it. All right, now we're going to transition to the final part of the show, which is the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. But I do like to put my guests on the spot first. So, Rajani, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up first? Um, yes. <laughs> I've, got to think of, I've got to think of one that is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
and he he walks into a restaurant and he's got like a peg leg and a parrot and an eye patch. Oh, and a hook. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um the, you know, the like the the hostess is like, oh my goodness, like you're a complete pirate. And he's like, Arg, yes. And they're like, well, what happened to your leg? If you don't mind me asking. And he says, a shark bit me leg right off. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And uh, and then they're like, well, what happened to your hand, you know, with this hook here? And he goes, Arg, the shark came back and bit me hand right off. And they're like, oh no. And then they were all, they're kind of almost scared to ask, um, you know, because the parrot is like, you know, on his shoulder. Yeah. And they're like, well, what, what happened to your eye? And he's like, arg, the parrot pooped in me eye. It was my first day with the hook. <laughs> I, I probably did not tell that as well, as I should have, but all I could remember on this <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I've got some joke. I got some baseball themed jokes for the occasion. So Rajni, I wanted to ask you, where do catchers sit at lunch? Where do catchers sit at lunch? I don't know. Oh, behind the plate. Just behind oh. the plate. All right, all right. All right, all right. Um, I wanted to ask you, how do baseball players keep in touch? Um I don't know. Well, they touch base every once in a while. They touch base. All right. All right. All right. Last oh, one. Last oh one. Last one. All right. What's the difference between a pickpocket and an umpire? Pickpocket and an umpire. I don't know. You have to tell me. Well, one steals watches and one watches steals. Oh, I love that there one. There it is. There it is. That's got it. awesome one. Got I to like end on a high note. Well, Rajini, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? You can go to my website at www.rajinilaraka.com. That's R-A-J-A-N-I-L-A-R-O-C-C-A.com. Or they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. And it's at Rajini Laraka. Perfect. I will be following right away. If I'm not already, I may already be. Well, thank you so much, Rajani. This has been an absolute delight. And I highly encourage everyone to go go subscribe to the podcast for sure and go get the books because they're brilliant. They're amazing. You will not regret it. I highly recommend it. So thank you so much for being gracious with your time today. Oh, Joe, you were fantastic. Thank you so much. I had such a wonderful time. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Well, listeners, you've been listening to the detox. You've been detoxing, excuse me, with the detox podcast. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detox podcast, or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Oh,